Like I get that sometimes uh, your, your faith and your trust wavers and you want to do things, take things into your own hand. Uh, but the best thing that we need to do is understand the uh, definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's the assurance of things that are expected. Like we're expecting it to happen. We're assured that it's going to happen. And I don't have to take it into my own hands. I can trust God who is faithful to his promises. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Pastor Hayden and Pastor Evan. Here we are, and here, here are. at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? We do. Yeah, we reach people for Christ, we teach people to be like Christ, and we train people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast and the life groups and the men's breakfast coming up next Saturday, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. I don't think that was very slow. That was a little announcement drop. I know. So I'll have a little fun here. Well, what are we doing this week? Well, this week, we, uh, we this is the week after the introduction of, of Matthew. And that was a fun sermon there. Yeah. And we are beginning Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 again. And this new series is called People and Promises. Now, Pastor Hayden, this is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which, yes, we did cover, but we will, we're going to go back and study it uh, in different angles because that's what, we, that's what we can do. When did we study it last? And Christmas. And Christmas, that's right. Christmas time. So if you want to refresh yourself, that's go right. ahead and head on back. Head on back to Christmas <laughs> as we go forward to Christmas. All right, moving on. Matthew 1, verses 1 through 2. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. All right, Pastor Hayden, two verses, just a bunch of names, but we actually have a, a main point of the sermon. And the main point is seeing God fulfill his promises through the lives of real people should give us unwavering confidence in God's plan for us in the and the whole world. Mm -hmm. Do you want to elaborate more on that sermon focus as we get ready to lead our life groups this week? Yeah, I think uh, among other issues, one of the uh, prominent issues in uh, the Christian faith at large is that we're just not sure of where we come from. We're not sure of what the promises that we have come from, uh, how they are fulfilled in Christ, and still flow today to the children of Abraham, which isn't by the flesh, but by the Spirit, right? I mean, all those are just promises that I've quoted from Scripture that apply to the Christian life, but you have to know uh, how that applies to us in order for you to really feel that unwavering confidence in, in who we are and what God's promises are in us. And so that's why this series, through the genealogy, it, it called People and Promises, we're going to look at how real people were given real promises by God and how uh, that line of promises, all the way that we even see uh, at the very beginning in Genesis 3, uh, when God promised an offspring uh, that would uh, bruise the head of uh, the serpent, which was Satan, right? Uh, all the way through Scripture that there was a seed uh, through Seth, through Abraham, all the way to Christ, that was the promised one who was going to fix the problem that we got ourselves into in Genesis 3, and how all that promise applies to us. So that's really what this whole series is meant to do, and it shows us how these are real promises to a real people, and it should give us such great confidence as we move forward through the book of Matthew. 
All right, and Pastor Hayden, it might seem like we're going to be doing a Old Testament survey this next six weeks. Because we kind of are. We kind of are. Yeah. But it's so important to understand where the Bible, where, where we came from. Now we're mm-hmm. beginning the New Testament, verse 1, Matthew chapter 1. But there's a whole lot of background that we need to understand, and I loved your analogy last week about Michael Jordan. Mm. When we say you say Michael Jordan, we know exactly the context. Mm-hmm. And why is it important that we know the context of when we say, all right, Jesus is the Christ, and boom, we begin with uh, Jesus, the descendant of Abraham and David, and right. here's Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. Well, already we talked about the seed of woman, right, who will come and be the, the one who will uh, free Uh, us from the consequences of the sin that happened in the garden. All of that is kind of like saying Michael Jordan. You got to know what all that is and why everyone was so excited about uh, the one to come. And there was all of these uh, promises that were attached to the Messiah and the line of Abraham and the line of even the Seth that we're going to briefly talk about. All of that uh, has a backstory. And the genealogy of Matthew uh, is kind of just stating all of these people that have promises tied to them, that have backstories tied to them, that the original audience would have just known. It'd be like me saying, Michael Jordan, you know all of the content and the context behind that. Well, when they said David and Abraham and Isaac and and Judah, uh, there were all these contextual promises attached to them that people are like, oh yeah, duh, that makes perfect sense. And so our goal through this series is to help give you that context. So as we go through the book of Matthew and all of that continues to be recapitulated through the 28 chapters of Matthew, you're going to be like, oh yeah, Michael Jordan, I understand everything that's going on right there. All right, so what is a talking point that we can have as life group leaders when uh, our, our our people, our life groups uh, here, like, oh, we're doing six weeks in the genealogies? That, that seems like a bit much. Yeah, I mean, the talking point is this. Uh, Matthew, uh, in the first 17 verses, gives us an Old Testament introduction, and all he's doing is telling you everything from Genesis all the way through the prophets, all the way until uh, the time of the intertestamental period. And so, Matthew is is giving the greatest summary ever through genealogy of the Old Testament, and so all what we're going to do is take those names and put them in their uh, their context in the Old Testament. So really, we're going to be teaching the Old Testament in six weeks. I mean, that's really the cool part about what we're going to go through, just looking at the first two verses of Matthew, or first 17 verses of Matthew, rather. All right, and then with your main point being that God's fulfilling promises, that's going to be laid out through the rest of your sermon. So uh, your first point is let God's promises bolster your faith. And mm-hmm. where, where do you get that, and how can right. we have that be ready to be to lead our life groups? Sure. Well, when we look at that, I think immediately of uh, the promise of Abraham, uh, and God gives these promises to Abraham and has chosen him through the line of Seth, if you will, 20 generations between Adam and Abraham. Uh, and so about 17, or, or I guess, what, what, 19? 19 between Seth and Abraham. And so you already see that promise continuing down that line. But uh, as God reaffirms that promise that he's already made, he, he is chosen Abraham. Uh, and he gives him the promise of a covenant of, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you an heir. Uh, and even through that, you start hearing this, uh, the rumbles and, and the uh, specification of a king will even come uh, from your line. And all those promises were made explicit in the life of of Abraham. Even when his name was Abram and God changed his name to Abraham, it's a father of great multitude. And so you see that confirmed. Uh, but then you see uh, Abraham's faith uh, kind of wavering at times, especially when you look in Genesis 16 and how uh, Sarai and Abram at the time 
that was their names, uh, thought that uh, Hagar was going to be the answer to uh, that promise. And so they disobeyed God, although a common practice at the time to allow uh, a maidservant to be a surrogate uh, was also not God's promise. And so all they disobeyed, even though it was a cultural norm, it was still not God's plan. And so they had Ishmael, uh, and then there's a whole lot of backstory of Ishmael and his descendants and how even the Arabs today uh, and the Jews are in conflict in the same way that we see that being the case in the Old Testament, even as one of the sons of uh, Jacob was sold to Ishmaelites. Joseph was sold to Ishmaelites. Anyway, although you can just see that even Abraham's uh, disobedience has caused problems throughout generations, but you see Abraham not submitting to God's promises there, did something he wasn't supposed to, and then God still came back and said, listen, I'm going to fulfill my promises. And all of that should get us to that point. Number one, let God's promises bolster your faith. Like I get that sometimes uh, your, your faith and your trust wavers, and you want to do things, take things into your own hand. Uh, but the best thing that we need to do is understand the uh, definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's the assurance of things that are expected. Like, we're expecting it to happen, we're assured that it's going to happen, and I don't have to take it into my own hands. I can trust God, who is faithful to his promises. All right, now your second point is allowing God's promises to produce patience. Now, where do you get that in the genealogy of Jesus? Yeah, when we look at the life of Isaac, something that you and I have even discussed is, man, there's just not a lot going on in that guy's life. He, was, he flew under the radar. He was just kind of like, it was kind of chill. And and that's a problem when you think about the promises of God, because you're expecting like action and adventure and these these pinnacle moments, these, these mountaintop moments in the lives of these promises. But when it comes to Isaac, I mean, he gets married. Nothing too crazy going on there. Uh, he has two kids, which, you know, drama starts coming into those two kids, but that has way more to do with Jacob than it does Isaac. And so really all you see there uh, in the life of Isaac is God continues being faithful to his promise. He confirms his promise in Genesis 26, um, and that's it. And another heir is born. And so really when we say allow God's promises to produce patience, we're going to look at that life of Isaac and say, there's not a lot going on, but we're just going to be patient because God is still doing something even in uh, the periods of time where, uh, where we're waiting and, and looking for what's next. All right. Now, your third point, but not your last point, is to trust God's promises in the dysfunction. Now, mm-hmm. again, where do you get that in the ge- genealogy and what do we need to know as life group leaders to lead our life groups in this point? You know, Isaac was not super dysfunctional and super chaotic, but his son was the worst, right? I mean, Jacob was just, I mean, everything about him was just, I mean, there was just so much drama, so much dysfunction, uh, and it's throughout the whole family at this time. Dad loves Jacob, mom loves, sorry, dad loves Esau, mom loves Jacob, uh, the brothers are rivals, and you have the manipulator of Jacob, and even Jacob is later manipulated by his uncle. I mean, it's just like dysfunction out the wazoo, you know, when it comes in uh, Genesis 25 through uh, 35. But even in all that, God's promise was still being accomplished. And it didn't, whatever sin was involved, whatever ridiculousness that was involved in the life of Jacob, God was still fulfilling his promises, even through the imperfect lives of these patriarchs. And for that, that helps us trust God's promises in the dysfunction, because I have a dysfunctional family. I'm sure in ways you have a dysfunctional family, and we all come from that, and we're all uh, driven to doubt the faithfulness and the promises of God in situations where life doesn't look great from our end. But you see Joseph even going in, in Genesis 50, verse 20, saying, 
you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so even that is that great promise of saying, even in the midst of the dysfunction, God is using those things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All right, and now your fourth and final point is to believe God's promises in the obscurity. Mm-hmm. Now, that seems like a very obscure point, so please it elaborate. <laughs> it is. Uh, when we look at the life of, uh, of Judah, and this is something that just baffled me a long time until I understood uh, a lot of the patriarchs, understood the promises of God and who Jesus was, his tribe, and all those promises. Uh, because I'm like, okay, I get that Jesus come from Judah, but if why didn't God pick like a like a better tribe? Like you know, like why didn't God pick Joseph's? tribes, either Manasseh or Ephraim, like why? Because like, that's just like the highlighted one in Genesis. And you can follow like the tribe of Benjamin, where Saul came from. But that is all all the point of the matter, that God didn't just choose the ones that are obvious to us. And uh, because you don't really hear a lot about Judah. And that's what I mean by obscure. Uh, You actually read uh, through Genesis, all the way in Genesis 37, uh, you see that uh, Israel's sons sell Joseph into slavery. Uh, and then what are you expecting to happen right after that? Well, if you know your Old Testament, you're like, okay, we're about to go to Egypt, and we're about to go learn about Joseph. But there's this strange part in, in chapter 38 where we actually start talking about Judah. And we're like, why? Why am I talking about Judah when there's other sons? We didn't talk about any of them. And why are we just skipping out on Joseph? He's on his way to Egypt right now. Well, it's important to understand that maybe obscure to you, but when you think about the promises of God and how the tribe of Judah is going to be the line of the promised Messiah, as we're going to learn even in a moment in Genesis 49, we just see that God's putting that there and just say, hey, I'm just going to let you know that my promise is still there. It's still valid. Uh, and even though there's all these other things going on around it, uh, the stream of my faithfulness and that thread of my promise is still very, very evident. And so we need to believe God's promise even in the obscurity because when we get to Genesis 49, we understand why Why was Judah popping up here and there? Because Jacob blesses Judah and tells him this, that you're going to be called the lion's cub, the lion of Judah. That's what we call Jesus. And uh, it, it says this, that the scepter will not depart from Judah. What does that mean? He's gonna, there's a, the king and, and the rulership is not going to depart the tribe of Judah. And it says this, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribes... Our tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. I mean, obviously, uh, the blessing to Judah was the, or yeah, to Judah was this: you're going to be the kingly line. You're going to be the one that's the promises of the scepter and the promise of uh, the Messiah to come. And so, even though it's obscure, you can still see the two places in there. Although it looks like we're just talking about Joseph, how God is making His plan happen even in times of obscurity. And it is abundantly clear when you read the Genesis account and looking for it and actually paying attention that it's not, Pastor Hayes is not pulling anything out of thin air. I know mm-hmm. it is the biblical uh, precedent where you know Judah was this terrible person and yeah. they want to highlight it. And then there's a change that happens where at the very end when Joseph tests his brothers and with Benjamin saying whoever has the cup, whoever has the cup in their uh, bag will die well, who's the one that says, hey, take my place. I will die in his place. It was Judah, almost foreshadowing what kind of kingly line is going to come. And so this isn't just something that pulled out of thin air. You, know, God is trying to reveal. It's almost like you said for the, uh, a couple times with our evangelism and, and prayer, God uses us as his means to accomplish his glory. He used Joseph to accomplish his glory to raise up Judah to be the kingly line. Mm-hmm. 
So Pastor Aiden, is there any further insights or even some maybe cross-references that you have in your sermon notes that could be helpful for us as we lead our life groups in a you know familiar format, but also a little bit different format being it is a you know verse-by-verse teaching, but also a Old Testament survey? I think it's just to remember that the Old Testament is meant to teach us uh, something important. Like we can't we can't get rid of the Old Testament because so much of the New Testament is always looking back to it as the forerunner of uh, what is to come and what we have the full awareness and assurance of in Christ. And so we just need to understand it as we're leading our life groups that uh, people are well, why are we doing this? Or why didn't we just do one sermon in the genealogy? Well, because it, <laughs> Matthew was trying to set up the history of the Old Testament to show us why we can trust in these promises because they were done through real people and they were real promises that apply to uh, the people. And, and here's a great reason why to think about it this way. Uh, the promise of Abraham was that all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. Okay, obviously. So what we understand is all of the offspring of, of Abraham were not the chosen people, right? We understand, we look, at all, there, was a, there was an offspring that, that was chosen, an offspring uh, where the promises flowed through, and then there was the other that actually became oftentimes the enemy of, of Israel. Uh, and even we see, okay, great, Christ is the promise, okay? He's, he's still that line of promise, and so even through Christ, we're being blessed. So that Abrahamic promise of the nations being blessed is now our blessing, and we get to take hold of that. And that promise that was given to Abraham is also our promise in Christ Jesus. So do you see why that's a big deal? We are now the chosen people. We are now the people of the promise. That's why we say Father Abraham, because he is our father, because we are the fulfillment of the promise that he gave to Abraham. So boom, mic drop. That's what you tell your people. We are so much tied to all of the truths of the genealogy as much as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were, and that's strong. All right. Well, you have some application questions for us this week. And so Mm -hmm. what are some uh, maybe talking points or some helpful guidance that you have for us as life group leaders to for us to be effective in our leading our life groups this week through this genealogy? Yeah, I think some of these are going to be obviously pretty simple, but I could take you to point number three. You're going to need to know the story of uh, Isaac and Ishmael, which I hope you know, but you might need to go back and read that a little bit to understand the, uh, what, uh, how to package that and how to talk to your group about question number three, because I think it'd be very helpful. Uh, but if people are kind of vague and obscure about Isaac and Ishmael, uh, you're not going to really know the necessity about patient faith. And the more you know about Isaac and Ishmael, uh, the more you're going to be able to answer the question, why does patient faith uh, a fruit that we all need in our lives? Uh, obviously, question number four and question number five are pretty straightforward I think uh, as you look at question number four, I think that's something that everyone's going to resonate with as we look at the own dis- the, all our own dysfunction that we've all been through. And so I just think driving home the applications here are going to be so important. So uh, don't allow people just to be commentators. Uh, make sure that people are applicators when it comes to uh, these questions as you meet this week. All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, what are some resources that we can have as life group leaders? And there's one that right off the bat, as we were talking just earlier, you say, hey, write that down right now. I'm like, okay. Uh, the Essence of the Old Testament uh, by Ed Henson and Gary Yates. I mean, that's uh, one that if you were in the Old Testament CBI class, Compass Bible Institute, you would have uh, been uh, assigned that reading. And I just think it's very simple, 
very uh, concise and helpful overview of the Old Testament. Uh, and I just knew that we needed a resource to recommend to you guys, even though we're in the New Testament. you got to know the Old Testament as we're looking into the book of Matthew, and that's why we picked Matthew, because it gives us an opportunity to reach through all of the Bible and show and teach all of the Bible over the next 28 chapters of Matthew. All right. Well, also, we sell a, com- a commentary. We got a fresh uh, stock of them in the bookstore, mm-hmm. the Matthew and Introduction and Commentary, the uh, Tyndale New, uh, New Testament Commentary Series by R.T. France. So if you want one, make sure you buy one this Sunday before we run out again. Mm-hmm. And another uh, com- a book that's a kind of a gospel survey that I really enjoyed is called Four Portraits, One Jesus by Mark Strauss. And it is a very helpful resource to kind of show how all four gospels are talking about one Jesus. It's, you know, Matthew's not presenting one Jesus and Mark's doing another Jesus. It's, it's one person and four portraits describing the same person. So very helpful resource as you go through Matthew and think of all the different cross-references of Mark and Luke and, and thinking about you know, the non-cross-references in John. Uh, in way of training, I know we just met last week, but the one thing that I would like to add on to last week's life group leader training is this, this simple thing. Make sure that uh, before you meet, the day before or the day of, that you're sending out an email, a group text, uh, welcoming uh, your group back to gather together. Uh, make sure that we're not just expecting everyone to, to gather without talking to them. Uh, just as much as welcoming people and creating a uh, an atmosphere and an environment that people feel welcome and engaged uh, also starts before they even show up. And so just make sure one of the things that we're going to do every single week, and I know this is already uh, something that all of our groups ought to be doing, and this is a reminder, or if you're not doing it, it's a, it's a, hey, now you know, you need to be doing this. You need to be sending an email, group text, just to remind people, hey, we're meeting at this place tonight. I can't wait to see you there. Hope you answered your questions. It's just a way for you to put up front what the expectation is as everyone gathers together. So don't forget to do that uh, as a helpful part of discipling your group. We have some announcements. Well, first and foremost, we have baptisms. Uh, the baptism service is happening September 18th. We have had uh, several people register, but we would love to have more people. So if you know of any people in your life group and announce it in your life group that mm-hmm. if they have repented and trusted in Christ for this, uh, for their salvation and have yet to express that in believer's baptism, encourage them highly to register so that they can meet with one of us, mm-hmm. uh, go through some uh, reading material so they understand what the gospel is, what baptism is, and also to make sure that they have a biblical testimony. And we would love to celebrate what God has done in this church. I mean, Pastor Hayden, you mentioned that someone got saved yeah, earlier this week. Yeah, someone else got saved. In your yeah, office. Two people got saved last week. Had somebody else get saved two days ago? I mean, God's obviously doing something. And we just want to help coach people through their testimony to give them resources as they move forward after our baptism service. So highly encouraging to register today and not delay and not miss out on this baptism service. That's right. Um, Also, just uh, for everyone who knows about the Wednesday nights, we have our Compass Midweek. That's our on-campus life groups, our uh, Compass students, and our Adventure Club on Wednesday nights. So we have a new life group starting this Wednesday. So if you know somebody who needs to be in a life group who doesn't have one yet, we have a brand new Wednesday night life group starting uh, as a part of our midweek program. 
And so we are packing out this building. We actually say God is packing out this building and growing this church. And so keep praying for us pastors so that we can make wise decisions. Yes. When it comes to that, we had almost 80%. I think the actual percent was right around 76, 77% of our last Sunday's attendance involved in midweek and life groups. And last Sunday we had 394 people in church. And over, and over 300 of those were involved in either life groups Compass Students or Compass Kids uh, Adventure Club Midweek. So that is just a miracle of God that that many people are not only coming to church, but sticking in discipleship. So I want that to be a praise for you guys to be like, whoa, look at what God is doing. To have almost 80%, 8 out of 10 people who are here on Sundays involved in our discipleship ministries just shows how much uh, God is blessing this church and how much people are yearning and desiring to grow in their relationship with God. Uh, one more thing, uh, two more things, really. Men's breakfast, 9 a.m. on September 10th, so uh, make sure that if you're a dude, be there with us. We're going to learn how to love God wholeheartedly and see what Scripture says about that. Invite some other dudes. Invite and, some other dudes. And then dudes in the sixth to sixth grade all the way before you die, you're yep. invited to the men's breakfast. All the way up to that moment. And then finally, student parent night, September 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. Dinner is provided. Bring your students with you, and it's an opportunity. It's like a meet, the, meet your teacher night, but, uh, you know, Compass student style. And so it's an opportunity for us to all engage together and look forward to what God's going to do through Compass students this year. All right, guys, we're so grateful for your leadership. We're so grateful for your participation in ministry uh, here at Compass. And we just look forward to us going out this week with a deep confidence in God's plan. 